Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, any time. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co and follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program, where we're also going to share some exciting opportunities. And please feel free to share this with others who you know will also find it of interest. So today, I already began my uh, episode by lying to you. Officially, I'm not recording from the Judean mountains. I'm recording from Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. And I'm inside the lovely brand new boutique hall hotel called the Theatron, or the uh, Theatron, which means the theater. It's across the street. I'm looking out the window from the iconic Jerusalem Theater, and it's a brand new hotel. It just opened last month, and it's stunning. It's a boutique hotel. I think you have 75 rooms, five stars. Um, there's an indoor pool. It's a great, great neighborhood, and I, I definitely invite you to come by and swing by here and, and reach out to my good friend, uh, the general manager, Sheldon Ritz, when you do, he'll, he'll definitely make your stay appropriate. And the logistics worked out really well today for me to meet my friend, Hananya Naftali, who is our guest today um, here in Jerusalem, rather than actually recording this. So we're sitting face to face, which is so, so nice. Um, Hananya, if you don't know, is a writer, a public speaker, and a major influencer here in Israel. And, and when I look at him, when I look at his social media, when I see what he's doing, I see tremendous credibility and I see tremendous integrity. And we met for the first time, wow, several months ago at the Christian Media Summit, and it took us till now in order to, in order to schedule. Um, we're, we're speaking at a time, it's the summer, it's hot. Because of social unrest here in Israel, the borders are a little bit hot. Uh, with our with our neighbors and and enemies, and we're speaking the week after Tisha B'Av, the week in which we as a Jewish people so much need to be focusing on unity, on on unrestricted love, and in a season of comfort where we're still trying to get over the annual observance of the destruction of the temples and other things that have befallen the Jewish people. And I really could not think of anyone better to have kind of a broad conversation with today about Israel, what the challenges are facing us, how to advocate for that. And then of course, because he's in this space in a significant way too, a little bit about uh, Jewish Christian relations and, and uh, advocacy for Israel. So Hananya, it is amazing to see you. It's amazing to be here in person. I don't often get to do that with my guests. And thanks for taking time today to join Inspiration from Zion. Thank you very much for having me. It's wonderful to come. You know, it's it's always a good excuse to visit this place. Uh, you know, just 40 minutes right from where I am. Yeah. So it's really lovely. Yeah. Tell You know, I know a little bit, but before we even get into the topic, I love to have conversations. You've got 
nearly native, unaccented English, but you're not an American born Jew like myself. What's your family background? How, who, who came to Israel and when and why? So my family, my father was born in uh, Kiev, Ukraine, and my mother from, was born in Russia. So they lived in the Soviet Union under communism. And as soon as, um, or slightly before communism collapsed, they uh, were smuggled in a way out of the Soviet Union uh, you, with the Jewish agency, with the help of the Jewish agency to Budapest. And from Budapest, they made Aliyah to Israel. So I would say it's um, probably early 90s or late 89s. And yeah, so they came straight to the city of Tzfat in the upper Galilee. Okay. That's where I was born okay. in 95. And yeah, so we grew up in, 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 uh, in the Galilee. Then a big chunk of my childhood was in Samaria in a community called Kadim, right above Janine. Okay. That is now, you know, famously known for terrorism. Yeah. Janine, not Kadim. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And, and yeah, so I always grew up in the countryside of Israel. I, I, I was a big nerd. So I listened in English classes. And I think that's that's where my English is coming from because um, it, no one from my family, you know, is, is coming from the United States, um, except for my wife. Uh, uh, right, she, right. Yeah, she is from uh, Georgia, USA. So, so it's good that I can practice my English with her or Hebrew, so that she can, uh, you know, get get a, a better hold of it. Yeah, and you're still a newlywed, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Congratulations to you as well. Oh, my son. I'm not a newlywed. I got 31 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, thank you. So it's amazing. Well, your parents, and I, I don't know if you know this about me, but in my youth, I was a very, very strong advocate to get Jews out of the Soviet Union, and I visited the Soviet Union twice. Um, I did things that I joke that if they had caught me, I might still be in a gulag somewhere in Siberia, and that's that's another story. But if your parents came out as early as they did before the communism, before communism ended, were they already refuseniks? Had they already established that they wanted to leave and tried to leave before that, or or, or were they just able to kind of you said sneak out before that all fell? I I I need to sharpen my 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 facts on this definitely um, because I do know that my parents had to um, you know bribe the guy that was on the train or something to let them on, on the train. Um, but then on the other hand, um, I, I know that they they requested from the, the government to leave. So they had a whole ceremony of stripping them of their citizenship and uh, taking all their belongings basically. So they left Russia slash the Soviet Union uh, with as much as $200. Wow. So. I'm not sure if it's when it collapsed or slightly before it collapsed. Well, the interesting thing, if it, even if it was when, what we saw in 1990 and 91 after communism collapsed is anyone who wanted to leave and had not yet applied to leave rushed out. We saw a million uh, Jews leave the Soviet Union as soon as they could. My, the family that I adopted in high school yeah, um, they had applied to leave first in the 1970s. And as you said, not, they weren't stripped of citizenship, but they were persecuted. They lost their jobs. Um, the oldest daughter, who, fascinating story, uh, goes with her and, and, and how we met and uh, my first visit there in the yeah. 1980s. Um, they had a very rough life. And finally, they were able to get out in 87. 
before things even opened up. But, um, well, look, thank God that your parents got here. Thank yeah. God that we saw the communism fall and that, that, that at that time saw an influx of, uh, of so many new Israeli citizens who now after a, a, a generation have contributed and still contribute so much like yourself. You're an amazing success <laughs> story of, uh, of, of Aliyah, even though you were born here. I, I, I think it's a tremendous blessing to be able to thrive in our ancestral homeland and, yeah. and, you know, not just to survive, but to actually build it up and to um, succeed. Because, you know, they used to say that, you know, talk about the American dream. I, I believe that it's here, the, the Israel dream. If you want to make it, you can make it here in, in, in this country. Um, so it's really exciting how far you can go if you're if you have passion that that drives you forward. So so it, which is fascinating because, gee, a month ago now, right before my son's wedding, I interviewed my daughter-in-law's father, who's a good friend. He's on the advisory board of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation. Has a fabulous peace plan. If people want to listen to that conversation, uh, it was called the Future of Israel, in which he did, gave a beautiful blessing to uh, my son and daughter-in-law. The point of which, what he was saying is we can't take for granted that someone like you, or certainly your children, are gonna be born here and have that passion. Where does it come from with you? Well, I, I, I think that a pivotal moment in my life was living in this community um, Called Kadim, yeah, because it was kind of surrounded by 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 enemies, and we couldn't leave the community in 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 um, in some times without military escort. So, um, you know, I learned from my parents to love this country, even to an extent that you're willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for for the country. And I actually growing up, I I didn't, you know. Which, which is very interesting because parents who made Aliyah, people who made Aliyah to Israel, uh, there is this significant um, place for Israel in their hearts. Yes. I think that it's in a way greater than the people who are born in this country because my dad told me that when he when they made Aliyah, so he like kissed the ground of the you know uh, airport yes. or I don't know the floor where the plane stands. And my initial thought is like, dad, what are you doing? This floor is dirty. <laughs> and... But and, and I told him that, but he said, look, it's what this land represents. It's it's a symbol and um, I'll be fine with some uh, Israeli made uh, germs or uh, something like that. So um, I think that I inherited this this love for the country from from them to see that they're willing to go to live in this community. And and even though they, they don't have, uh, you know, my, my dad back in Soviet Union was a dermatologist, but um, he didn't pass the exams here right. due to the language barrier right. because they didn't they weren't prepared for this uh you know russian doctors coming to to the country um so i think that that's something very very interesting to see uh you know because here in israel he was just a a, a gardener so you know to see that he has so much passion yeah this this led me to you know uh built me up to to defend israel you know, when I was in the army, in the armor corps, and now fighting Hamas and terrorism on the media. Yeah, so I want to come to the Hamas and terrorism. Uh, armored corps means tanks, yes? Yes. How long were you in the army? Three years. Three years. Three years. I, yeah, I, I, I applied to for the Navy SEALs, 
Um, then I went to take the exam, physical exam. I, I was selected for some other um, interesting unit. Then I ended up in the armor corps uh, because my, my, my uh, sibling also went to the armor corps, to the tanks. So I said, you know what, let's just make it a family heritage, I guess. All of us will go to the armor corps. So, yeah. Very meaningful. I want to take a quick break and segue to your fighting Hamas uh, around the world through through the media. Um, and I have another very pointed question, but I want to take a half a minute break and come right back. Let me share a quick story. Back in college, I studied Hebrew as my foreign language. We were a class of American Jews and one Christian student, Tim. One day, I asked Tim why he was studying Hebrew. I really didn't get it. He explained that he was the son of a pastor and wanted to understand the Bible in its original language. He was insightful beyond my understanding at the time. Recently, I was introduced to eTeacher, which allows people all over the world to learn Hebrew, to develop a foundation of the original language of the scripture that's so important to us as Jews and Christians, and to gain an understanding that Tim understood, laying a critical path for understanding the Bible's original language and a foundation for Christians to understand both the modern state of Israel and the Jewish people on a more personal basis. E-Teacher offers programs to study both biblical and modern Hebrew taught by experienced scholars through an interactive curriculum. The Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation is pleased to partner with E-Teacher and offer you a 15% introductory discount. You can register through the link in the show notes or be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and we'll be happy to forward those links to you. Okay, when you were just talking about, which is a great setup, thank you, for where I wanted to go with the conversation. I assume you have fluent Russian as well. I'm, I understand Russian perfectly, yeah. but it's hard for me to express myself in Russian. Interesting. Yeah, because when my parents came to Israel, they, they wanted to use, uh, learn Hebrew. I so see. they would read us books in Hebrew, not in Russian. Ah, very interesting. So I just projected my own experience because we <laughs> always speak to English and our to our children and grandchildren now um, because our our Hebrew isn't fluent and never will be fluent. So And then, by the way, this is 19 years, this week is 19 years since we came. So that's a nice wow. celebration. Um, but it's very interesting that you've got the... Uh, You've got the understanding, but not the ability to express yourself because they could good for your parents who, who raised you in Hebrew. Good for them. Yeah, very much. It's not easy. No, it's not easy. No, no it's not. But they, they understand that languages, uh, especially in this country, you have to know the language in order to, to survive, to have confidence. You, to survive the confidence, to truly be part of the culture, uh, and you're there. Let's talk about the culture. Last uh, couple of weeks, especially. We've seen some very, very tense things here in the state. I even get emotional just thinking about what it, and coming off this week, and for those who, who aren't Jewish and don't know the, the day of mourning and fast day that we just observed last week, um, commemorating the destruction of the temples, but as we internalize as the Jewish people, the destruction of the temples was in part our fault because of base, what we call baseless hatred among Jews. And, and more than ever in my life, I think we're seeing that, or we've seen that here. What's your sense? It's all. It, it's because of the government polarization of government. It's because of a bill that was put through and then watered down, and now passed recently regarding judicial reform. But what's your sense of once the ten, the the, the um, 
tenor? What's the feeling here in the country right now? Well, I actually just just go back from uh, from Norway, so I was in touch with my with my friends here, and they told me, "Look, you're coming back to to a country that's in in you know complete chaos and turmoil. Um, the fact that they they're you know protests are blocking highways, um, you know, and people are telling me I'm canceling." 90% of my meetings and yeah. moving them over to Zoom calls. Um, so first of all, I have to I have to say that um, the I, I would say that the majority of the people in Israel they they are pro judicial reform. The debate is to what extent and how to actually do it. Um, you know, I, I think that it's quite um, um, you know laughable in an unfortunate way that uh, you have heads of opposition of, of today, such as the Air Lapid. Uh, Gidon Saar, Zev Elkin, that you have statements of them actually saying that that we have a problem in this Correct. country, that Correct. you have that the justice system Correct. Uh, is checking everybody, everybody's balance, but no one's checking their balance. So uh, there's a situation where there is a lack of balance between the three authorities. So, what, what, you know, it's it's obviously, uh, I'm probably not um, adding anything new to, to people who already know what the debate is about, but um, just like you said, it is it is because of baseless hate that that the Second Temple was destroyed, right. and that our people were subjugated, and armies invaded our country. Um, you know, the free translation to to sinat uh, chinam is free hate, um, and we love to say in Israel that people love free stuff here. So, <laughs> so, so I never um, heard that. Actually, I, I I wish that we would uh, you know uh, grip onto the uh, free love because. Because when, when there is baseless hate, free hate, uh, we have a problem. And we cannot see each other as, as enemies. Is there a solution, short term? Short term, I, I think that um, there's, there's lack of understanding because a lot of, um, so I would say perhaps, uh, perhaps to, to bring people together because we need unity and uh, the country needs unity more than ever. And I think that a lot of the protesters, um, I happen to see my friends there. I happen to see people that, you know, um, each one of us uh, knows someone that, that is protesting. I myself didn't go to, to um, any protest, but um, I, I think that a lot of, there's lack of understanding. A lot of people don't know what they're protesting about. And, um, you know, there, there's this um, um, uh, cause of unreasonableness, uh, in, in Hebrew. I'm not sure that a lot of people know what that even means. So right. we see that a lot of the protesters, the uh, from the left wing side, they're not protesting against judicial reform. They're protesting against the prime minister, correct, uh, who was elected in a, the most democratic way. Correct. You know, he's not a king. Six months ago, he was in the opposition, <laughs> so he was elected by by a democratic majority. Correct. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%. People are protesting about the polarization of our government. From the right and for the left, and people who are, who are going to be pro-judicial reform protests are really just uh, uh, supporting, showing their support in favor of the government. And I don't think a lot of people understand the nuance. And the crazy thing is, you're right. Yeah. A year ago, if we had had a if we had had a normal conversation, you would have had a majority of the country voting easily for the law that just passed, and certainly things that are even more uh, more bold. Um, that, that our Israel is being accused of becoming anti-democratic and that's nonsense, but it's still yeah. polarizing and it's still tense and it makes me, it made me weak last week and it makes me sad today. And I just thought you might have some great insight as somebody who, 
who lives in this space and, and observes the society. I, I have to add quickly and say that, um, you know, we, we, we need to put in front of our eyes uh, Israel to, to, to never worship a politician or a yeah. leader because Israel is going to be, Israel was here before us and we need to make sure that Israel stays here after us. And I see, although I myself, I consider myself a conservative, I love left-wing people. I, you know, they're my brothers and sisters, you know, and the fact that they have a different opinion, uh, we all have family members that disagree, but they're still our family. Correct. So I think that that's how we need to see one another. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you voted left or right. We are still, you know, same citizenship. We're in the same, on the same boat. Uh, and we need to work together to, to you know, solve these issues. I, I would hope that this conversation, if only for that statement, gets magnified and broadcast multiple times because I agree with you and we need that. Um, thanks for that. Let's, you, you mentioned fighting Hamas. Right? Yeah. Now, I, you, maybe you can talk about what, if you were actually in battle in your, in your service, but um, you're in battle in the media 24 seven. Yeah. Talk about what, what are the biggest challenges that we're facing? So, it, you know, to, to me, it was interesting because I I actually fought Hamas, uh, the terror organization, literally during the protective edge operation of 2014. Uh, so we entered the Gaza Strip. We had a mission to uh, demolish terror tunnels and uh, Hamas terror facilities. We had this one mission to target Hamas terror. It, it's like in the movies. Before we entered the Gaza Strip, we had this like circle and the platoon's commander was... Um, uh, saying you are going to fight uh, terrorism, not uh, the Palestinian civilians and people. Yeah. So I I think that that's something that um you know I really took with me because I I said that in the same way that I thought the Hamas terror group I'm gonna uh, fight uh, you know terrorism in the media. So um it's I I think that it's the same battle nowadays you know just like in in the military and on the media it's the same battle that we're facing the same battle um, by the way people are hearing some of the great background noise of the yeah. busyness of the uh, hotel here in the teatron hotel in jerusalem um it's the same battle but you arguably even have fewer protections because social media is so public and while you are admired here not everyone does. How does that, how does that, um, you, you don't have a tank to keep you safe. No, but I, you know, it may sound crazy, but every soldier that, that crosses a border in order to, to defend his, his country um, had this thought. They crossed through his mind. Maybe I'm not going to kind of, uh, okay. you know, come yeah. back alive. Yeah. I had the same thought in, you know, when we crossed the security fence into the Gaza Street on the tank because it was a crazy situation. We heard a lot of, you know, names that fell in battle. But I had this feeling in me that I knew that uh, God is is with me, that he's going to protect me because he has a special, um, you know, plan. And so I, I, I said, you know what? I bring everything to his uh, control. But um, it is true that in the media, you kind of don't have the same protection, I would say, because I'm traveling around the world talking about Israel and um, getting a lot of death threats signing some of That's those. not rhetorical. You really mean it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting messages. People tell me we will find you and sleep your throat. Obviously, I know that a lot of these people, they're strong on, on you know, behind the keyboard, behind <laughs> the computer, but, but face to face, they will probably not do anything. Okay. But 
regardless, I think that this is what we, uh, you know, everyone that takes a stand for Israel faces some degree of, uh, of, of challenge and threat. And it happened to me some, in, in some places that I was warned ahead of time or that I needed uh, uh, security, really. And it's crazy that you need that only to, um, to share the story of Israel. That's not a crime, that's not my No, it's not a crime and, and it's um, very, very uh, narrow-minded at minimum in, in, that, that people would not allow somebody to, even if they disagree, and even if they're gonna shout you down, to threaten you rather than letting you have your say. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't scare me. And and you know, people can I'm actually very happy when I when I'm getting uh death literally. And um it also happened to me here in uh, Jerusalem. You know, uh you know, East Jerusalem, unfortunately you can walk with an Israeli flag and, and get leeched, right? Um so it happened to me that we me and my wife walked uh towards the uh right right below the Jaffa Gate, heading towards the western wall. We were crossing the crosswalk, and this car opened their window, and and this guy was yelling at me, uh, "Stop your propaganda! Stop your!" So they knew who you were. Oh yeah, it happened to me twice uh, in East Jerusalem. I was walking in the in the uh, Old City's Market. Yes, I I got yelled at, um, but I'm very happy actually about that because it means that I'm reaching exactly the people that I want to reach. I'm reaching the people that exactly. need to hear this. Okay, so here's my question, and I love how you just set it up. When you crossed into the into Gaza in your Merkava tank, I assume. Yes. Uh, Merkava three. In Merkava three in 2014, summertime. I remember it well. Right around now, a little before, um, someone else was commanding that. You were one of four members in the tank, and there were other tanks and other infantry and mm -hmm. things going on. Now you're in the general. You decide what plays, you decide what needs to happen. What motivates you? How are you figuring out on a day-to-day -day basis where, what, what's the battle and how do you take, and how do you, what's your, your operation? So um, earlier I said that, um, you know, I, I had in my life a few pivotal moments and I think that being in the army was one of them because I, we were fighting, uh, sir, defending our country, fighting Hamas, not Palestinian people. Then. Uh, it was basically you spend one week there, then a few hours back to, um, you know, replenishments. And right. You can eat uh, better food that, that is not yeah. canned tuna. Why not? So in that time, I would call my parents, calm them down, then check my uh, my phone, check the news. Then I would see that there are so many fake news about Israel. Protests, massive protests, calling me a war criminal, right. calling soldiers of Israel war criminals. And I was not okay with that. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to do everything it takes to uh, change that. And I have to say my English wasn't good. Um, my, I didn't know how to deliver a message. I didn't know how to edit videos, but I said, I'm gonna learn that because I realized that if we don't stand for Israel, no one is going to do it for us. Um, and we have a, a growing free hate, baseless hate on the social media which is today's, uh, you know, city square, the world square, where everybody comes to debate. So if we don't do something about it, we will find ourselves in greater trouble. Um, and I, I see that in, in, in the media. I, I had this one guy that messaged me from Egypt, a student um, that was, I think, staying in Jordan at the time. And he messaged me, I saw one of your videos where you interviewed a Muslim, Arab, Israeli 
uh, guy. Yeah. And and he told me, I saw that you respect him. I thought that you guys were monsters, but then I see that you respect the Muslim guy. And he said that he sparked his his um, desire to learn more. Wow. He started to learn more about Israel. And he messaged me, he concluded the message and says, you have a friend. So that's very special. It's so important. That makes it worthwhile, right? That, that alone makes everything worthwhile. Yeah. Yes. It's very powerful. It's it's a deadly weapon. When you good, excellent setup. I want to go backwards. 2014, you're in Gaza. You you're seeing everyone calling you a war criminal. We know as Israelis that it's probably the most ethical army in the world. And they're always after every operation, in the middle of operation, videos, documentation of how we hold back in order to pr protect civilian uh, lives among the Palestinian Authority, and in this case, mm -hmm. Gaza. Well, give, give, give a, one example of what you did and experienced to, to document that in 2014, in the midst of battle. Um, well, first of all, I, I have to say that um, a lot of people don't know this, but when you join the Israel Defense Forces uh, to a combat unit, the first thing that you're getting is not a weapon, it's not an M16 that, you know, and they tell you go shoot everybody you see that look like an Arab. Of course not. But it's ridiculous that this is how they portray Israel as. The first thing you get is that first of all, you uh, are taught how to behave like a human being, to value um, human rights, uh, justice, how to um, respect the enemy. And I actually also later became a combat medic. So most of the people that I've treated were either Syrians or Palestinians, not a lot of Israelis. That's fascinating. So, and actually in the Israel Defense Forces, you take an oath as a, a when you become a medic, uh, especially a combat medic, you take an oath to treat your enemy. You literally swear on that. I never knew that. Yeah. Uh, you right next to the flag of Israel, just like you know every other military ceremony, holding your uh, your beret on your head, and um, it's really something that a lot of people don't know. And we also saw it in inside the the Gaza Strip that you know we we shot a lot of rounds, but targeting Hamas, and we did far and beyond to not target Palestinian civilians. Um, so and so the Israel Defense Forces is one of the most moral armies in the world. The fact that in every conflict, you have the Israeli Air Force doing this uh, roof knocking that basically warns everybody, including the terrorists, that we're about to fire. Correct. You know, it's, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I want to wait for these people to go by. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, next time we need to set it up in the lobby and why have everyone listen to us. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, in, in, I, I always forget the names of the operations, but whatever our most recent one was, there was a tremendous video from a pilot who was calling to abort an operation, a strike on a terrorist, because he saw from his plane two children nearby. And I realized, and I, I posted this everywhere I could, when's the last time you heard the word abort used to save a child's life? Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And... I have to say that the Palestinian people, they are, you know, um, I don't see them as, as my enemy. You know, we're, we're full to uh, love one another, yeah. love love uh, the your neighbor as you love yourself. And uh, obviously I, I don't tolerate radicalism and terrorism, but growing up in among them, we would, uh, my father would take us shopping in Janine, uh, you know, shopping for, for Shabbat, you know, so <laughs> it's kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, wow. 
my parents didn't have a lot of uh, uh, money. So, you, you know, it was Arab Muslim Palestinians yes. in Janine that they gave them extra shawarma that was uh, that, that they had. So I cannot hate those that, that uh, took care of me. And um, that's why I'm trying to promote love. And a lot of Palestinians that I speak with, they message me also on social media, but also face to face. They tell me that keep on doing. Wow, keep keep doing what you're doing. I always tell them, can I can I get that on a video or or a screenshot? They ask me to not do that. I want to tell you a story, then I want to take a break. Um, I think it was this last winter, maybe the winter before. I don't remember. I ordered one of the programs that we do with Genesis One Two Three mm -hmm. is uh, Run for Zion, the first Christian program around the Jerusalem Marathon. So I made uh, uh, coffee mugs. Run for Zion. And I live in Afrat, south of Bethlehem. I was connected to a Christian Palestinian Arab Bethlehem resident. And I ordered mugs at good quality, good price. And we he couldn't come. I would not go into Bethlehem. We're not allowed to legally. And he couldn't come into Afrat where I live. So we got along the side of the road. Uh, and it was sort of like, if someone didn't know, it would look kind of like a drug deal. I gave him money. He gave me some boxes. We, well, we, we, we smiled, we got to know each other briefly, and I said, let's do a selfie. And his whole demeanor tensed. And I said, he said to me, what do you want a selfie for? I said, I don't know, we would just meet people and do selfies. Maybe I'll put it on Facebook, how cool. Here I'm an Israeli Jewish settler, who people think is a right-wing extremist, and you're a Palestinian Christian Arab, and you're, and you're supposed to be my enemy. But here we're doing business, and I'm, he said, you can't use that picture ever, because it will make me, it'll put my life at me. Yeah, exactly the same kind of situation. Kananya, let's take a quick break and come back. I wanna, I want you to give some guidance to people, not just tell stories about your experiences, but now use your expertise so we can make more, uh, more at least more educated people, if not more warriors like you. As remarkable and miraculous as Israel is, and its very existence a testimony to God's faithfulness, in many ways, Israel's like most other countries. Just as there are parents anywhere who have stronger and weaker parenting abilities, and adults become a product of situations in their lives that they cannot control, making their ability to raise and care for their own children even harder, that's true in Israel as well. The Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation is committed and takes the mandate seriously to care for the least of these, our brothers, our children. We're committed to bless and strengthen orphans and at-risk youth to invest in them, to empower them, so that their future will be brighter than their past or their present. But Israel is unique in that there are always threats of war and terror, which know no bounds. For children who come from homes that are not safe, sometimes the very scary reality of living in a community that's not safe is too much to bear. We are committed to turning orphans and at-risk youth into children of promise. We fund a variety of programs to help those most in need as widely as we can. We invite and encourage you to join us today so that we can ensure their brighter tomorrow. Please visit genesis123.co to find out more and to send your love and most generous donation today. Okay, Ananya, um, I'm loving this. We could do this for a couple of days. Definitely. <laughs> and, and and it's what you do. By the way, before I even go more, more questions, um, I'm, your name is spelled out in the speaker notes here because I realize that not everyone is going to know intuitively how to spell 
Hanani and Naftali in English. So we're not even going to try and go there right now. Yeah. But how do people connect with you and follow you? So basically, I, I believe in being everywhere. Okay. So, where, <laughs> you know, whichever social media you pick, if you type my name, Hanani Naftali, or H Naftali, you are likely to find me there. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, kudos to my parents that chose this name for me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Very nice. Um, what, what are the, you, you, we've addressed some of them, and I want to lay the foundation of what people who are listening need to know to be an effective advocate like you are. But before what we need to know on a positive way, what are the top one, two, three things that people who are listening, who care about Israel, need to know to debunk the myths, the lies that are said about Israel? So, um, first of all, I would encourage everyone to come to Israel at least once in, in, in a life, because when you see things here with your own eyes, it, it puts things into perspective. Yeah. And, um, you know, then it strengthens your, your standing position because it's, you speak not, not from what you heard or read in a book, but from what you saw walking in the Jaffa Street in Jerusalem, seeing Arab Muslims, Jews living together, walking uh, in the same roads. Right. Um, and, you know, so a lot of people love to, you know, I, I would say in my, in my, you know, near a decade of uh, social media advocacy, uh, surprising how social media is, you know, uh, surviving a decade already. But um, I, we see that there is this tendency to, to uh, if, if there's an operation, they would immediately cut clips and, and post fake news. Then they have the evergreen propaganda, which is, uh, you know, apartheid, the, the separation wall. Uh, the uh, threat to to um, you know demolish the Alaksa mosque and ethnic cleansing. So, if you look at the numbers, actually ethnic cleansing, uh, <laughs> you know numbers are growing. Yes, there are more Palestinians. So we suck at ethnic right, cleansing. Right, right. Uh, the the, uh, the this this um, separation wall that created uh, you know so-called apartheid. Um, I'm very proud of this separation wall because for those people that are not aware of that. Um, I think that the this uh, wall, which which seventy percent of it is actually a fence. Thank you. I was going to mention yeah. that it, it was, if I'm not wrong, was built in two thousand and two. Um, before that, we had we we have had um, a lot of suicide bombings. Correct. In in Parsaba, in Kenya, you had this horrific suicide bombing attack during a Passover celebration yeah. of Holocaust survivors at a hotel, right. which I don't remember the name, but Park Hotel, and, on the and, first and, night of Passover, and and a massacre people were murdered. Um, this this separation wall stop it. Yes. Now there are zero suicide bomb attacks. So if that's what it takes, yes, we will do everything we need to to protect our, ourselves. Um, so you know, also also with the apartheid thing, um, you know, we can all go to Palestinian cities. They they can come to our cities with with the right permit, right? Um, but um, you know, you know, I just have to add another quick thing because the um. Some organization, uh, Amnesty, Amnesty International. Okay. Oh, we love them. Uh, <laughs> love was rhetoric yeah, there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they they released this report that Israel is, is an apartheid state, basically. So what I did, I, I said, well, this is interesting. But I went to my Bedouin Muslim friend. I showed him the <laughs> report. And I was like, what do you think about that? He told me something very interesting. He said, Kanania, this is ridiculous that... They, what they're doing is actually nailed colonialism because they they think that we are the weak people. You can't think for yourself. We decided that you have uh, you, you suffer from apartheid. He basically said, "Don't define who I am. 
what you're doing is neocolonialism. I can speak for myself. I can I, I can choose where, where, where I stand. And the fact that you have white Europeans telling the Arabs in Israel that what they suffer from and, and right. who they are, this is, this is a very interesting uh, um, perspective. So I would conclude this and say, come to Israel and you don't need to be a walking Wikipedia. Start with what you have. Uh, we need more voices. Excellent. So next week's podcast is one people are going to want to listen to because I'm having a conversation with two men who run an organization called Every Black Life Matters. And I met them while I was hosting a group of African leaders here in Israel. They came to my home in Efrat. And since most of them were from South Africa, they wanted to understand how and why the myth of apartheid is really that, a myth and lies. And, and fabulous that your friend used the word colonialism, um, but everyone who comes, by the way, certainly not in the state of Israel, and even in, not in Judea and Samaria, mm -hmm. it's nothing close to apartheid. And so thank you for, for setting that up. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, dear friends, come and visit, uh, schedule long enough with me in advance that I can schedule with Hanania so you can meet him in person, but, but certainly we'll, uh, we'll host you as well with pleasure. Um, let's move on to what are the what it you're again you're the general you're leading this <laughs> this fight on social media and one really truly one of Israel's most um, uh, influential influencers with the greatest integrity uh, and this is the first time that we're actually sitting down face to face which I'm so enjoying it's it's yeah. it's underscoring everything that I knew about you but what are the three top three um, uh, weapons, if you will, that a pro-Israel advocate needs to know, needs to have in their pocket yeah. when they're confronted with these anti-Israel things wherever they are in the world. Um, why would I share this? It's, 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 it's my uh, recipe. It's, it's just you and me talking. Oh, I just, oh, it's just okay. me. I want to know. Okay, in that case. I'm like me there. So, well, I, I think that number one, to, to never lose your connectivity to your roots, I would say, to stay, you know, rooted in, in who you are, because, um, you know, to, to stay focused on your purpose, um, because people, you know, in the world of social media, people can really see your facial expressions, they can yeah. see how you talk, they can see if you're real, if you're coming from a, a genuine, um, you know, place, or you have, um, you know, a personal goal, um, which is, you know, I think not so good, if, if you put a personal goal sure. above, above the goal of fighting anti-Semitism or above, um, you know, defending Israel. So I think that um, remaining connected to who you are and, and how Jews you and Christians. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I, I think that religion doesn't matter when you stand for Israel. You don't have to be Jew to, to be a Zionist and you don't need to be, you know, a Christian to, to love Israel. Nowadays, with Abraham, of course, we see a lot of Muslims Correct. that love Israel Correct. as well. So I, I would say stay connected to who you are and to always, uh, you know, have this entrepreneurship mindset that you always want to move forward uh, because the world is moving forward and we cannot stay behind. Um, you know, in, in the world of social media, I, I, I see that, you know, people used to love watching uh, long videos, then it turned to a few seconds, then the format changed. So staying up to, you know, know knowing the game is, okay. is important. Afraid. Um yeah, and I personally, I love reading books. Um, you know, I think that everyone can relate to that. We all say to ourselves, 
oh, one day I wanna I wanna read a book. One day I wanna finish a book. Well, I I I had that problem. I feel like I said, well, you know what? Every day you're gonna read for half an hour a book. And guess what? I managed to finish already 14 books in I think this year um, alone. So I think it's it's important to to educate yourself. Are there a book or two that you would recommend for somebody who's an advocate for Israel that they need to read? Wow. I mean, first of all, I um, I actually didn't get to read too many books about Israel, okay, okay. but rather about um, uh, public speaking. Or, oh, great. Or um, I recently completed this 48 Laws of Power. That was uh, fascinating. Okay. Um, so I, I am very much into um, uh, these kind of books. Got it. Uh, like, you know, Jordan Peterson, uh, yeah. um, you know, teachings, sure. I would call it. So I, I think that there is great knowledge in that. Very nice. Okay. It, you have an idea for a book of your own someday? Um, maybe let's see. Okay. Let's see. I mean, I have to finish a few books before I, I, I write a book <laughs> myself. But, but I, I think that, you know, if you think about it, every person has a story to tell. Yeah. And every person has, um, you know, something that people can admire about them. So, you know, don't have a lack of confidence. Be, you know, know that you can contribute to this uh, planet. I used to be very shy growing up. Really? Yeah, I, 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 I wanted to run from attention. Like from from fire i was this like guy that you know i used to we lived in um, a place in the lower galilee before i moved to the center so i used to go on bicycle trips take a camera take pictures of nature um but it was in the army that i changed wow what changed in the army um first of all you cannot be shy or you know an introvert if you're in in, in battle you okay. know because sometimes okay. you need to yell you need okay. to okay you need to know what's going on wow. because if you don't pay attention to things you can die, die. Yeah. Your life. so and other um, people will get killed as a result too right and also and also in the in the army there is no um room for i i i would say shyness because you sleep in, in a room with uh complete strangers that become your brothers in arms then you train with them you fight with them you laugh you cry with them so it changes your personality and um, creates more openness in you towards the other. And um, so I think that, yeah, th this is something that changed in me. Also knowing that uh, I need, I have this mission that, yes. that, that I took upon myself. Very nice. Amazing. Um, one last break, and I want to come back and we're going to segue to a book, but also how Jews and Christians specifically need to, uh, to relate to, to work together in, in, in your mission, in our mission. But one quick break. The restoration of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel was an earth-shattering event. For Christians, it was a confirmation that God always keeps his covenantal promises. Today, we are blessed to see God's fingerprints in the modern miracle of the land of Israel playing out in our lives among the people and in the state of Israel. This year, on the occasion of Israel's 75th anniversary, the Genesis 123 Foundation has been privileged to bring together 75 Christian leaders from around the world to lend their unique voices, sharing their personal faith experiences relating to Israel and their in-depth insight into Israel's history and spiritual significance, creating an historical, one-of-a-kind, high-end coffee table book, Israel the Miracle. Israel the Miracle's stunning imagery will fill your home with the hope of fulfilled promises and conversations about Israel. It's a perfect gift to anyone for any occasion, and most of all, to yourself. You'll also be a blessing to Israel 
knowing that the proceeds will go to bless Israelis of all backgrounds. Be a part of Israel the miracle and bring the land, the people, and the state of Israel into your heart and into your home. Visit IsraelTheMiracle.com to get your limited edition copy today. Okay, Hananya, we reconnected somewhat recently. Weeks ago, I don't remember how many weeks ago, and I shared with you about the book that the Genesis One Two Three Foundation was then putting together, as we speak now, is in print and uh, and and will be available next month in Israel and around the world. Israel the Miracle. Um, you had a chance to look at a physical copy today and an electronic copy a few weeks ago. Um, at the risk of a gross shameless plug, what? What was significant? You gave a beautiful endorsement, which is on our website, and uh, I believe is being printed in the book itself. But why is that significant? I, I think that what this book represents, in my opinion, is, is this um, much needed breach between Jews and, and Christians. Because, um, you know, it's, it's not a secret that there is tension. And um, it's not a secret that, uh, you know, a lot of Jews us Jews can be very uh, suspicious of what did the Christians want? I remember in the army, we were stationed on the border with Lebanon. Um, groups of Christians would come and bring us pizza and snacks. I, I was the English representative <laughs> there, but my, my soldiers were asking me after that, why are they coming here? What do they want from us? Um, do they want to convert us? What do they want? I think that um, this book opens the, your, your mind to understand where Christians are coming from. And uh, where the evangelicals are from, what do they want from, from Israel, from the Jews? And I think that this book is uh, is probably a must read for 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 people who want to understand, you know, um, this Judeo-Christian alliance. Because before recording, we talked about how you know there was the Inquisition, the Crusaders, the, yeah. the persecution yeah. uh, backed by the Church. Um, if I'm not wrong, even um, uh, Hitler got the approval of, of the Church to persecute Jews. So. Um, but today, it's very different. And I think that we, uh, you know, it's, it's not a sin to, to embrace uh, a different approach. People change. And, um, you know, when, when, when I was uh, speaking in Germany, I just want to quickly say that uh, this family was a Christian family. They fed me. Um, and I remember that they were telling me. Uh, sorry, they, they, they weren't telling me. This lady that hosted me, she came with tears, kneeled before me. I'm sitting at the table. I'm like, what the heck? Is That's very uncomfortable. Me? Yeah. She she kneeled and started to whip and cry. And she told me that her grandpa was a Nazi officer, would read her bedtime books before uh, uh, falling asleep. He was a, a perfect grandpa. She didn't, she only later learned what he did in, yeah. the, in the, you know, um, killing Jews. So I think that, you know, this book allows you to see um, the big, big difference that nowadays Christians are our number one supporters. Yeah. And there's no shame in saying that. I'm attacked for saying that. I don't care. Um, <laughs> you know, we, you know if, if there's something that I learned in my 28 years of, of, of being alive is yeah. that if you, um, you know, go, go that one direction, people will criticize you. You go the other direction, people will criticize you. You might as well do what be honest and, and, and do it well. Uh, so I didn't share this with you. And maybe since we spoke and set up this conversation, um, definitely not planned in my book launch tour for Israel the Miracle. But next month, and it gets me very emotional just thinking about it, 
the first book launch tour will be in Germany. Wow. Um, we have I have friends there who think that this is so important. Uh, because the book is being printed here in Israel, I can snag a couple of boxes and bring them on a plane with me before they get shipped. And we are doing three or four days in a couple of different cities. And they and 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 a friend of mine, everyone knows about the Holocaust, right? And and the the German mm -hmm. the German masterminding and implementation of that, with many many sadly willing allies uh, as well. But a friend of mine said we in Germany. She said we have a lot more to repent for, because it, because while the Protestant Reformation under Martin Luther was significant to change Christianity and ultimately we as Israelis reap the benefit of that. Mm -hmm. It was also that same Martin Luther who unleashed a rabid anti-Semitism calling on people to burn the Torah and burn the Jews and, and, our, and, our, and, our, and our synagogues. And uh, she's mindful of that. I, I can't go back on all the history. I'm looking at this as being a, um, a very redemptive opportunity. Yeah. I've never been to Germany and it makes me a little uncomfortable uh the idea of it but i think it's super important and how amazing that god has made this opportunity for me to take this book that we're sitting here looking at and and take it to germany first of all places i i think that it's really magnificent because you know i think that we're in an era where we are we need uh bridge builders and not uh not people that demolish bridges and um Israel benefited a lot from the support of Christians. It is yeah. the Christians that pulled on Trump to move the embassy correct, uh, to Jerusalem. And it is Christians that, that nowadays push and call their leaders to take a stand for Israel at the UN, at uh, ICC. I don't know, uh, you know what else, but we need to, we need to um, change our approach and to love. You know, there's this uh, uh, phrase that says, uh, those that are not against you are, are with you, right? So um, let's uh, let's embrace uh, those that are not against us. Great, but why, someone will listen to this, particularly Jews, mm -hmm. and say, well, why just not stay in our own lane? Why do we need to interact? What do you say to that? Um, it it does. I mean, you can stay in your own lane and and still, uh, you know, be friends with with Christians. I I think that there's. You know, um, this lack of understanding borders with, um, um, I, I would even say, um, baseless suspicion. Oh, good um, Because you don't need to um, suspect people that that, uh, that come to bless you. I mean, I do understand where it comes from, this this um, will to preserve the Jewish identity. And it is important to not forget who you are and to, you know, stay in your lane. Obviously, interacting with Christians doesn't mean that you're, you're becoming a goy. It doesn't mean that you stop being a Jew. Um, so I honestly, I think we could speak for hours about this, you know, about where this uh, problem comes from, that that you, you know, this, this you know, I, I don't want to use the word hate, but, uh, you know, in some cases, that's what I see. Well, the hate comes from the suspicion. That was a great word that you chose to use now. And there is, there is, we don't, we, we as Jews don't know. And, and there's sadly there's reason to be suspicious, yeah. but and, and that comes. I always tell Christian friends that we carry a lot of baggage, thousands of years of baggage, and it and it takes time. Yeah, it takes but time. most of the Christians of today are not the Christians of of uh, that era, you know, um, bec because um, you know we're in in 
in my on my, on my speaking tours, I always um, uh, speak to uh, Christian communities and Jewish communities. But to the Christian communities, I always say that you know if you know real Christians love Israel because if you're a real Christian, you also read the Bible, right? Which is also known as the Old Testament. Um, so, and and you know, so if you're a real Christian, um, you need to have natural love for Israel. So you know, to to sum it all up. This is this is where the love comes from. This is what Christians want from Israel because they are connected with their faith, and and there is natural love for Israel because you read Psalms, they would also read Psalms. Um, so it's uh this, it's two parallel worlds that uh, collide when it comes to Israel. Um, wrapping up, you know, you just said to sum it up. What what's one thought in the course of this conversation, or as you were riding over on your motorcycle that we didn't discuss that you especially want to impart, whether it's something we've spoken about or you getting on your soapbox? Um, wow. I mean, I always have a lot of thoughts and I, I love riding the motorcycle because you just, you know, the wind blows against your helmet and it's uh, really, you know, uh, you concentrate on your thoughts. But um, I think that, I think that we kind of went through everything um, I, I want to see more unity and less division and, you know, because we, we see that we're going to, where Israel is, is, will face a lot of challenges and, uh, anti-Semitism is on the rise and it's not just a slogan. Um, you know, when, when once a year we say never again, what does that mean? Um, I want to, you know, direct that to our Christian friends and to say, stop with, um, the suspicion. Um, you know, I'm obviously I myself, I'm against, uh, you know, calling people to change their uh, religion. I think that uh, what now it, today's Christians want to do is to show the love of God, yeah. to show what um, this passion that they have. You know, in, in every Christian I speak with, almost, they tell me that they have this cup that it overflows and they just want to pour their love mm -hmm. on, on Israel to, you know, in to them, it's serving God. So um, it's not, you know, I understand the suspicious mindsets, but it's not that. So I, 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 I want to call for more openness. It doesn't come at the cost of your identity. Excellent. I, I wanted to say something earlier. I don't remember what it was, but actually I feel in doing what I do, building bridges as an Orthodox Jew, I think it makes me a better Jew. It makes me a better person for sure, but it makes me a better Jew because I'm exposed to people who don't know and don't understand. And it puts me in the place of having to explain Judaism, explain where I'm coming from, talk about why the Bible is my family history. Right. And I mean, amazing. Yeah. When, when, when you fight, you need, uh, you, you know, cause it's a battle, it's a war that yeah. we're, that we're having. So we need more soldiers in this army. Fabulous. Tananya Naftali long overdue, but mm -hmm. my goodness, as long as this conversation is overdue, what a delight. Uh, thank you for making the time today and, and sharing such, such wisdom, such insight with our listeners. Thank you very much for hosting. Yeah, it's a delight. So as we wrap up um, for the rest of this year and indefinitely after that for the moment, we're encouraging all of you to, if, if you've heard a conversation that you love, I want you to share it and I want you to make comments and we're gonna incentivize you. You can't see the book here physically that's in front of us, but it's stunning. And next month it will be available to be in your home Israel the Miracle, and you can go to israelthemiracle.com to get information about that. But what we're going to do very simply is if you like and comment or share a link to this, 
program or any other program this month. We're just going to pick somebody at random and you're going to get a free book in your in your uh, mailbox one day. So please, uh, please go ahead and do that. It's an important conversation uh, to share. We're always grateful that this podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're ever in the area and, and uh, want or need something and want to pop in and say thank you to them for helping conversations like this uh, take place. And also thanks to our good friends, the Coyne family for their meaningful sponsorship as well. All inspiration from Zion uh, podcast and general Genesis one, two, three foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue. And if you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or special occasion, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. If you were listening earlier, um, you heard that Tananya's parents were very bold and were able to escape from the Soviet Union as immigrants in the late 80s or early 90s. And we're celebrating our 19th anniversary uh, this this week of, of making Aliyah. So I have the pride of dedicating this episode to all of us who uprooted our lives from different parts of the world over the last hundred plus years and, and have planted deep roots, replanted deep roots of the Jewish people here in the land. Come visit us. We love to hear your comments always as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions as well, especially questions about traditional Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this conversation with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about programs and topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and all your loved ones are safe and healthy. And instead of sending my blessings from the Judean mountains, I send my blessings from Jerusalem, the undivided and eternal, eternal capital of Israel and the Jewish people. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.